Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennium Money, and today we're talking about keeping your budget happy on Valentine's Day. Right, love it or hate it, it is that time of year again, uh, rolling around to Valentine's Day. I find that people are usually in one camp or the other. I mean, you either are totally into Valentine's Day and it is like, you know, the next best holiday beyond, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, and your birthday, right? Or you absolutely hate Valentine's Day, you hate everything about it. 
And, you know, usually you fall into either one of the camps, depending on whether you're single, engaged, married. I even know some married people who, after being married a few years, just absolutely do not celebrate Valentine's Day. And so I'm saying, you know, whether you celebrate Valentine's Day or not, it's easy for all of us to kind of get stuck in, uh, you know, the money drain pipe of Valentine's Day. And it is it is ridiculous how much they mark up things on Valentine's Day. I mean, flowers alone, you know, you're you're looking at a 10 to 50, 50%, yes, you heard that right, 50% markup on flowers. I mean, you could literally buy flowers on February 15th for a severe discount. So, you know, I'm about, you know, challenging challenging the day, right? Why do you have to celebrate Valentine's Day on the 14th? Why can't you celebrate it on the 15th or the 16th or the 12th or the 11th? I mean, you know, who says that we have to celebrate Valentine's Day actually on the 14th, right? Hallmark? I think Hallmark probably made that one up. So I'm telling you that it's okay to buck the system. So today's podcast is just a little light podcast, a little fun to kind of gear you up for Valentine's Day. And I want to give you a few fun facts as well uh, that I found about Valentine's Day that actually a lot of them kind of shocked me. Uh, So the most commercially amorous day of the year is, of course, February 14th. And it's expected, according to an American Express survey, that 6 million couples will get engaged on the 14th. Hopefully, maybe if you're looking to get engaged, you're one of those. Um, And congratulations ahead of time if you are. I mean, that just seems like a lot. 6 million people wait to this one day to get engaged. And it often makes me think, like, what is it about this particular day? I mean, it's it's crazy how much of a frenzy we've made over Valentine's Day, right? That you literally will wait to propose to this exact day. I even know friends who, you know, uh, potential fiancés or future fiancés, I should say, knew that they were going to propose to their girlfriends, but they specifically waited until after Valentine's Day to propose. And of course, you know, the woman is totally depressed and at dinner and not happy and all sorts of things like that. And then the next day, you know, they're, they're totally happy. So don't fall into the trap if you don't want to, right? If you want to get engaged on Valentine's Day, go for it, right? All the more power to you. Uh, And like I said, you know, Flowers is something that is synonymous with Valentine's Day. That and chocolate, right? But chocolate doesn't seem to have much of a markup. Chocolate is kind of chocolate. It's the price of chocolate. And depending on whether you want good chocolate or bad chocolate, you'll pay the price for the chocolate. But flowers, you know, I I find it so fascinating that um, kind of human culture that we're, uh, that we find it socially acceptable to pay you know, $30 for three or four or five roses when on the next day we could pay, you know, seven or $8 for the exact same amount of flowers. Um, as you can tell, I'm actually not really a flower girl. Um, I love flowers and they're great. It's just, I think being a financial planner, I kind of look at it and go, okay, this thing is going to actually die. And I would rather just have all the money to do something else with. So, um, you don't have to be as as bah humbug as I am about it, but I'm just giving you the facts. Um, There's also fun Valentine's Day facts from WalletHub, our friends at WalletHub. $18.2 billion is the total Valentine's Day spending projected for 2017. You heard that right. $18.2 billion. I mean, can you imagine what we would 
what we could do with that money. I mean, we could we could literally like feed nations with $18.2 billion that we spend on one day to tell someone that we love them, right? Why can't we tell them we love them on another day and not spend $18.2 billion? I don't know. Question for you. billion will be spent by 18.7% of celebrators who plan to buy jewelry. $4.3 billion are going to actually buy jewelry on Valentine's Day. That probably goes along with the 6 million couples that are going to get engaged, right? So all I would say is, you know, if you're going to buy, I realize we're like, we're fast approaching the 14th, but if you're going to buy jewelry for your significant other or your spouse or your pet, I don't know, whoever you're going to buy jewelry from. Um, You know, there are a lot of Valentine's Day sales. And I would say, you know, the closer that you get to Valentine's Day, a lot of times you can actually negotiate for jewelry. Um, I'm not talking about like, you know, you're going to get a $5,000 ring for $1,000. But there are a lot of jewelers that actually want to clear out inventory. So they've got like excess inventory because they know that people are going to buy a lot of jewelry around Valentine's Day. So usually the closer that you get to Valentine's Day, the more they're willing to negotiate with you on the particular price. And a lot of times people think, you know, when you go into, I don't know, you know, I don't know, Zales or whatever jewelry store, a lot of times people think that you can't negotiate, right? Like why, why would I negotiate? This is like a store in the mall or like a legitimate jewelry place. But I beg you that you can negotiate anything, anytime, anywhere. So you might as well try because what's the worst, what's the worst thing that could happen? They say no. I mean, you're no, you're no worse off, but what if you saved 10% or $500 or $1,000? I mean, I would feel a lot happier just for asking the question. And again, you, you, when you talk about negotiation, you got to think about like human psychology, right? You got to think about when it's like buying a car, right? Your best time to negotiate are the very last day of the month, because that is what everybody's sales numbers are best based on. And your second best, maybe actually your first best time for a car is at the end of the year because they want to get that inventory off the books. And so they're really willing to negotiate for you. And I always go into dealerships like towards the end of the day because that's when they're tired. They don't want to deal with it. And um, I've often found the best deals, you know, at, at the latter part of the day, right? Okay. On from that. So $2 million will be spent by 34.7% of celebrators who plan to buy flowers. There we go. There's the flowers. $2 billion spent on flowers. Again, not knocking it. If you love flowers, flowers are beautiful. They're pretty. They make a lot of girls feel super, super special. Guys, look, if you're trying to woo a girl and you don't really know what to do, you don't really know what to spend money on, buy flowers, buy pretty flowers. Don't buy dead flowers, don't buy ugly flowers, buy pretty flowers, have them put in a vase with like a little bow or maybe one of those little, you know, balloon things that stick out. It's worth the investment if you're trying to, um, you're trying to woo the girl. But hey, if you're married, you know, you could have the conversation of like, hey, you know, what should we do for this Valentine's Day? You know, should we get each other something? Like what's the budget? And then, you know, if you have that conversation and you set the budget, girls, I'm going to tell you, don't get don't get upset. Don't get mad at your spouse or your significant other if they don't spend the money to buy you flowers, right? Just think about like, oh, we could use this money for other stuff, all right? All right, so 53% 
share of women who said they would break up with their significant other if they received nothing from Valentine's Day. 53%. I think that's um that's a really fascinating number. It says a lot about us chicks, right? 53% of us would break up if we didn't get anything on Valentine's Day. And I understand. I understand. We've kind of inflated Valentine's Day into being this uh, you know, this holiday, I'm using this like loosely in brackets here, holiday that, you know, we have to celebrate that has some significance. And I'm, again, I'm not knocking it. Like, I, you know, I've been like googly eyed on Valentine's Day and, you know, certainly expecting things as well. But 53% they would break up. That's, I think that says a lot about a relationship. Like if you're willing to break up on Valentine's Day because you don't receive anything, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe that relationship wasn't so good. Just just food for thought again. And 20% of people will buy Valentine's Day gifts for their pets. Again, not knocking it. Look, I know if you have a pet, you love a pet. I used to have uh, cats and um, I swear my, my one cat, Sophie, she was sent from heaven. She was like the best cat ever. Um, she was totally my best friend through a really hard time in life. And so um, I could do without her fur, but I love and miss Sophie. She passed away about six years ago, and I still think of Miss Sophie often. But anyway, I know pets mean a lot. I just think that's really interesting that 20% of people buy their pets Valentine's Day gift. I mean, the pet has no idea that it's Valentine's Day, right? The pet has no idea when it's their birthday. But, you know, if you're going to buy the pet something, like get him a little chew toy or something, and then you know, put the rest of your money into savings. So this year, again, Americans will collectively spend $18.2 billion total on all their expressions of love, from greeting cards to jewelry to a special night out, with the average lovebird shelling out $136.57. The average. Some do more, some do less. And you may be thinking like, $136? Do I really need to spend that much? I beg of you, if you don't have money in your budget and if <laughs> that's just way too steep, like get a small gesture for your significant other, for the person that you're dating, you know, and be sincere about it. I think, I think all, you know, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to try and demystify a little something for you here. I think all the, all that us girls really want is just that you had thought about us, right? And so whether it's like a little card or a little chocolate or, you know, you could even handwrite something super sweet. Um, it means a lot. And so again, it doesn't have to be this, this big gesture. When I was in college and dating, I used to think that Valentine's day had to be, you know, elaborate and with fancy dinner and gifts and all sorts of like super unnecessary things. And now I just, I think it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit overinflated, you know, give me pizza and a thoughtful card and skip the expensive flowers and dinner and I'll put the money towards a vacation. But that's me. And I know everybody's a little bit different, but you know, the point I just want to make is, is, you know, be realistic with your budget, be realistic with, you know, the debt that you're balancing, um, you know, the income that you have for, for February, you know, we're a few days out again for Valentine's Day, like be realistic about what you can spend and, and also be honest with whoever you're dating. Now, look, if you're first dating, if you're newly dating, like you're not going to say to the girl, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I've been over overdraft on my budget for about like, you know, a year and a half and, um, I don't have any money and I'm in a lot of debt. Like, okay, don't be that honest. Not when you're first dating, but you could say like, hey, you know, 
Um, I don't really have it in my budget to do like a full expensive dinner. Maybe we could do something, you know, a little bit different. Maybe we could, we could be a little bit creative. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways. And most girls, I hope that are listening to this podcast are fairly understanding and, and girls, if you're not like, you know, give yourself a little check in the mirror and go, okay, not everybody has the money to spend. And, you know, I certainly don't, I don't want to see people go into debt. I've worked with a lot of couples after Valentine's Day and, you know, they, it just said they would spend, you know, a, a ton of money that they didn't have. And then afterwards, you know, it was like a moment of like sheer panic, like, okay, now I've got to pay for this. And was this really worth it? And, you know, lots of people break up and, uh, you know, then they're left with this debt that, um, that they incurred from Valentine's day. I met, I met with this poor guy. Um, he's not poor. I'm saying I felt bad for him a couple years ago who, you know, went out and bought this really expensive vacation package and had this amazing dinner and gift for his girlfriend. And, you know, they were at dinner and he was like getting ready to give this to her. And she just said, you know, this isn't just working for me. I want to break up. So they ended up breaking up and he couldn't get any of his money refunded. And it was a long story short, but he didn't want to go on a trip with a friend. And I mean, it just, just all went to waste. And then he had this debt on his credit card. And so we came up with a plan to pay that off. And of course, then he was totally better to the Valentine's Day thing. So um, just, you know, do what's reasonable with your budget and then be honest with the person as honest as you as you can be as you want to be about like, here's the situation. Let's you know, we have 50 bucks or we have 200 bucks or we have 500 bucks or whatever it is for you. And, uh, you know, find something that, that works for that. You also don't have to go out on Valentine's day. Nobody says it has to be that day, right? You could do the weekend before you could do after you could do happy hour. That's one of the best money saving tips is go to happy hour. Don't like, don't tell the person that, Hey, we're specifically going to happy hour to save money, but say, Hey, we're going to do this cool thing. We're going to go to you know, going to go to this great happy hour, like find a restaurant that's got like an awesome happy hour, go there, get everything at half price, and then, you know, go for dessert somewhere afterwards, right? Just make it fun. There's lots of ways to to make Valentine's Day affordable and, and to fit into any budget. I also thought this was interesting. Wallet Hub compared 100 of the largest U.S. cities across 20 key metrics, ranging from florist per capita to number of attractions, to cost of a three-course meal for two. And they came up with the top 20 places for celebrating Valentine's Day. And I'll just read a few of these. Number one was actually San Francisco. Um, I love San Francisco. Jeff would actually be very happy to move to San Francisco. San Francisco happens to be one of the most expensive places besides New York to live. But I think as a city for Valentine's Day, um, it's a really cool city. It's a walkable city. Uh, There's lots of great restaurants. There's obviously great views all around. There's tons of things to do. And the weather weather is normally, you know, pretty nice. It's usually on the cooler side. So I could see why San Francisco might be, um, you know, the top place. Number two, a little bit different uh, season uh, climate here is Scottsdale, Arizona. I found that one interesting. Number four is Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, That would be a great place to celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, In fact, I've been looking up a lot lately. There's been a lot of deals here and there, you know, going to Hawaii. And um, I just, I haven't been to Hawaii in a few years and it really keeps kind of like tugging on me. So Honolulu is beautiful. Like if you could sneak away for, you know, even three or four days to Honolulu, I highly suggest it. And number 12 on the list is Austin. Austin is another great, um, 
millennial city, the music, the people, the food is to die for. Um, so I thought that was also a very interesting, um, on the list and a bunch of other places. Number 18 is Washington, DC. Uh, there's Irvine, California, Tampa, Florida, Seattle, Orlando, Las Vegas. Everybody thinks of Las Vegas. Um, I'm actually not the biggest Las Vegas fan, but you know, in terms of Valentine's day, there's probably a lot for you to do there. Um, I would imagine that it's, it's a little bit expensive as well. So again, I just want you to think outside of the box for this whole Valentine's thing. You know, make sure that you incorporate whatever you're going to spend into your budget so you don't have one of those, you know, complete freak out moments at the end of the month. And, you know, do things like making making old, old school hip again. You know, make your own card or be creative. Um, make a dinner, even if you're not that great with cooking, guys. Like, that goes a long way. Like, if you've never cooked for your woman and you suddenly cook something, even if it's slightly horrible, you're going to score a ton of bonus points there, I swear to you. Again, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You could probably do, like, a box of macaroni and cheese and some wine, and she would be, get her a card, and she would be, like, overjoyed, right? And again, have Valentine's Day on a different day. It doesn't have to be on on that particular day and think outside of the box. Like if you have credit card points or reward points or things like that, you can use those for gifts or gift certificates to restaurants or, um, you know, you could go to, go to the movies or whatever. I mean, there's a million different ways you could use credit card points, but it's a great way to afford something like Valentine's day. If it is, you know, super important to you without actually breaking the budget. So whatever you do on Valentine's Day, whoever you're with, I hope that it is a totally special day for you. And if you're one of those who hates Valentine's Day, I hope maybe, you know, something might change and you might, you know, get a little chocolate from somebody you like or um, I don't know, whatever it may be, just to kind of change your thinking about Valentine's Day. But I think the main point again is $18.2 billion dollars total spent on Valentine's Day for 2017. That's a heck of a lot of money, you know? Maybe we could still do Valentine's Day, but maybe we could do a little bit smarter and take all that extra money and put it into savings or put it towards our goals. Because at the end of the day, that's all I want for you. I want you to be able to achieve your goals and to think outside of the box, but still be able to have fun uh, doing this thing called life. All right, so as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game, Instagram at millennial underscore money. Mm-hmm.